the brothers war by eladria caldos professor of history epitere college of mages commentary by farsa tashir professor emeritus of historical wizardry argivian university translated from the argivian by kathy ice at what stage does history become mythology how much of the history we teach is an accurate account of events and how much is traditional lore wrapped in the guise of fact as historians we must constantly struggle to separate truth from legend and the struggle is never an easy one this is nowhere more evident than in the war of the artificers every schoolchild can recite the basic story two brothers each with phenomenal magical skills each trained by the great Acacia, each specializing in the creation of magical devices their rivalry grew to immense proportions until an entire continent was plunged into war and another continent was completely destroyed this is the legend but what of the history over the years painstaking research has enabled us to construct a basic map of what the continents looked like at the time of the brothers conflict although there is some dispute over the actual location tradition holds that present-day argive is built over the ruins of ancient argive which was in turn built over the ruins of the legendary thran empire the care ridges of legend are said to be the same ridges that overlook argive today ronam lake is popularly believed to have been in the region of present-day jarth which would put the city of teresia somewhere in the Kavrian wastelands although popular this theory is unlikely it is true that the devices which the brothers created enabled them to cover vast distances even on horseback however the journey from modern argive to the wastelands takes at least a month's time it is unrealistic to think that even with their devices urza and mishra would have routinely covered such distances in the course of fighting their war it is impractical for large armies to cover such distances my esteemed colleague overreaches herself in pronouncing the traditional map of the struggle absurd it is certainly impractical for large armies to cover these distances in the modern era but urza mishra Thanos, and ashnod possessed remarkable magical skill and access to vast amounts of power flying machines war machines automated soldiers all of these things enabled armies to be moved quickly and efficiently examining the scrolls from the third excavation of care ridge shows a large body of tales that share a common theme of travel across vast distances via strange mechanical means undoubtedly representative of people traveling using the refuse of war an army moves as fast as its slowest unit so long as there were foot soldiers and there were large armies could not easily have crossed such distances initialed i c similarly tradition tells us that the lost continent of argoth has long since sunk beneath the waves of the argivian coast argoth's size has been clearly recorded as about a third of the size of the continent of Terisier according to the traditional interpretation of teresier's size this would make argoth vast indeed approximately nine hundred barim long 
and 700 barum across at its widest point. Again, this is unlikely. First, it is highly unusual to see an area this large completely covered in forest, as Argoth is believed to have been. Second, all of Argoth was supposed to have been destroyed in the final cataclysmic battle between the brothers. This would be all but impossible on a continent of 630,000 square barim. Once again, Professor Kaldos has failed to take into account the vast power at the brothers' command. Granted, it is unlikely that all of Argoth was forested. This is doubtless an exaggeration on the part of our forefathers. Nevertheless, Urza and Mishra certainly commanded enough magical power to destroy broad tracts of land. Why else would these legends, far older than other stories, have persisted for so long? It is difficult for our modern minds to comprehend, I realize, but I would urge the good professor to try. I would reiterate that even given the brothers' power, such a large scale is highly unlikely. Initialed, I see. Judging from the records available, it is far more likely that ancient Argoth is in fact Little Vidinth Island. A greater part of Terrasier now exists on Greater Vidinth. This brings the entire conflict to a much more realistic, albeit still vast, scale. In addition, it's more consistent with that described in the accounts of the war. Ah, the Vidinthian theory. For years now, scholars have racked their brains in a vain effort to prove this ridiculous hypothesis. No matter what they say about realistic scales and weather patterns, the fact remains that Greater Vidinth bears no resemblance to Teresia. Where are the Care Ridges, the Sardian Mountains, Ronam Lake? How is it that they vanished without a trace? As for Little Vidinth, it is a desolate, rocky atoll bearing no resemblance to ancient Argoth. Its rocky surface could never have supported the Argothian forests. Apparently my learned colleague has never heard of erosion. Initialed, I see. Thus, present-day Argive and the care ridges that overlook it were named for these long-ago places, perhaps by refugees of the battle seeking a more peaceful existence. This is preposterous. Modern Argive is over 1,200 barims south of Greater Vidinth. Since Professor Kaldos is... So adamantly against our forefathers traveling such distances, this pilgrimage would seem to be an impossibility. And why would war refugees name a new country after the site of such sorrow and destruction? Never mind how so many people could move so far and leave no record of their trip in either anecdotal or archaeological evidence. Any fool can see that a one-time journey is much different from one that must be done on a regular basis. Initialed, I see. More is known about the actual conflict between the brothers, although the details, especially about their early years, are still sketchy. They were probably born in Argive itself, and almost certainly orphaned at an early age. 
it is unclear just when they began manifesting signs of being able to wield magic it must have been in a remarkably early age though since their apprenticeship to Tacasia began before either of them had reached the age of ten as my esteemed colleague has so vociferously maintained we cannot always take the legends at face value although as in monsieur are popularly believed to have been orphans there is in point of face no evidence to support this story the only thing we know for sure is that Tocasia brought them to her school claiming they were brothers and orphans this may or may not have been true. On the one hand, Tocasia had a reputation for honesty and integrity. On the other hand, she would have sensed the boy's immense potential the moment she encountered them. It is possible that she took them from a loving family, or even that she killed the parents herself in order to bring the boys with her. Almost nothing is known about those early years with Tocasia. It is reasonable to assume, however, that a magic apprenticeship in those days was not altogether different from what it is today. The brothers would have spent much of their time in mundane chores to build self-discipline and a sense of purpose. Their studies would have encompassed the basic concepts of mana, spellcasting, and spell control. They would have begun mock duels at about the age of fourteen, quite young by modern standards but by all accounts perfectly acceptable in that particular time and place the story of the pilgrimage to the cave of coilos is well known and in this case we can safely assume that history and legend coincide jacasia took her two star pupils then about sixteen on a pilgrimage to the cave while exploring its chambers urza discovered the mite stone and mishra the weak stone these artifacts and many others discovered at the time were most likely relics of the ancient Thran Empire. Quite probably, it was these discoveries that inspired the brothers to pursue the study of artifact creation. Each could sense the immense powerful of his find, and each knew instinctively that this type of magical device would not have the unpredictable side effects of the more conventional spells. Professor Kaldos is making quite a leap of faith assuming that the brothers did not realize the potential of artifacts until after the coilos pilgrimage urz and misha were mages of incredible power and perception it is inconceivable given the nature of their training that they would not have realized something so fundamental until so relatively late in their lives the Goylo's pilgrimage may well have served as a catalyst for each of them, but to suggest it with their inspiration is to ignore the evidence. My learned colleague evidently has access to evidence that I have not. Certainly nothing I saw would lead me to believe that either of them cut his teeth on artifacts. Initialed I.C. It was at this time that the brothers began gradually to grow apart. They had always been rivals, but now their rivalry began to take a more hostile tone. They became increasingly jealous of Takasia's attention. Where once they had collaborated on projects of magical research, now each of them warily guarded his secrets. 
it is possible that even this early on each was beginning to form secret alliances in the hope of defeating each other my dear professor have you any idea what the life of an apprentice mage is like they wouldn't have had time to creep about forming secret alliances although it's extremely likely that their mutual antipathy was quite advanced by this stage there is no reason to suppose that they resorted to plots apprentices don't stay apprentices forever at some point they become journeymen initialed i c Tarkasia's death seemed to trigger the final split between the brothers, and it has long been believed that, removed from our guiding hand, the brothers allowed their rivalry to grow out of control. This is not entirely supported by the evidence, however. There is ample documentation to support the idea that the final rift actually occurred several years before Tarkasia's death. But if so, what was the reason? For an answer... I believe we should turn to the mysterious figure of Ashnod. Known as a brutal and tyrannical warlord in her later years, we have hints that the younger Ashnod was quite different. Contemporary sources from her home city of Zegon describe her as cheerful and open-handed, a dutiful daughter. In a brilliant understatement, the same account goes on to describe her as a bright and promising pupil. In none of these accounts is there a hint of the ruthless, hardened warrior she was to become. Professor Carlos places far too much faith in these contemporary accounts, none of which can be considered reliable. All were written by itinerant scribes or troubadours seeking patronage. In such situations, daughters of wealthy men always paragons of beauty and virtue but this has little bearing on reality but even itinerant scribes choose their lies with care a vicious overbearing child might be described as spirited but never as cheerful and open-handed initialed i c nothing is known of how ashnod and mishra met it is always supposed that this happened sometime after Tokasia's death. The brothers were gathering support for their battles. There are intriguing clues, however, indicating that perhaps Ashnod met both brothers before Tokasia's death, and that, rather than entering the picture after the rift, Ashnod was in fact the cause of it. This theory is patently ridiculous. Uz and Mishra were childhood rivals, this rivalry grew with their burgeoning magical ability until it became an outright war. It is a simple explanation and a common occurrence among brothers and mages. Any attempt to turn this into some sort of thwarted love triangle is both specious and infantile. Jealousy between mages because of the power wielded by each is a vastly more plausible explanation occam's razor and all that if it is specious and infantile to examine the evidence and draw a logical conclusion then i must plead guilty initialed i c a merchant living in zegon 
describes a courtship in which two brothers both journeymen mages pursue the same young woman the daughter of a town elder although the merchant does not mention names in his account the circumstance is simply too striking to be a coincidence coincidences always striking but that doesn't mean we should instantly leap to the first absurd hypothesis that comes to mind mishra and urza were studying at Turcasia's school in the Kerr Mountains. How did they come to be in Zegon? I reiterate, they were journeymen by this time. Initialed, I see. From across the actions of the people involved, it becomes an easy matter to reconstruct the brothers' final split. Both pursued Ashnod for a period of several months. This competition threw their ongoing sibling rivalry into sharp relief. They had a final cataclysmic quarrel and parted ways forever. Ashnod, the cause of the dispute, was all but forgotten as the brothers began working to build alliances and find the resources necessary to manufacture their machines. Shortly thereafter, Tokasia died, ridding the brothers of their final restraining influence. The battle was joined in earnest. Here my esteemed colleague disproves her theory far better than I could have. Ashnod, the cause of the final rift, all but forgotten. It is beyond absurd. Even during their courtship, the brothers were more intent on their rivalry than on Ashnod. I believe that neither of them truly loved her. Each wanted her because he thought his brother did. Initialed, I see. In the quest for allies and materials, Urza concentrated his efforts on the eastern half of the continent. The citizens of Krug were among his first allies, and his influence quickly spread throughout the region of Yosha. It is to be supposed that his brilliant apprentice Tarnos originally came from this region. Mishra, meanwhile, concentrated on the western half of the continent, particularly the area in and around Zegon. Eventually, Ashnod joined him, but what a different Ashnod she was. Perhaps she would have preferred to be with Urza. Perhaps she resented the brother's neglect. Or perhaps some other personal tragedy had touched her life. For whatever reason, she had become harsh, cruel, and vindictive terrifying overlord of what was to become a vast army. Or perhaps, my dear Professor Carlos, she had always been harsh, cruel, and vindictive. Your ridiculous assertion that Ashnod was cheerful and open-handed is what makes this sudden transformation necessary. Hence, we are left with dreadful speculation about other personal tragedies. How much more natural if Ashnod's character remained unchanged from childhood? It may be easier, but it is not supported by the evidence. Initial I.C. The course of the war is well documented in other chronicles, so surely a brief summary will suffice for the purposes of this work. Urza and Mishra's battle quickly grew to an all-consuming war. Millions of people were killed, slaughtered by one another, 
and by the terrible machines of war Teresier was soon stripped of every available resource as the brothers raced to outdo one another in the manufacture of these devices. Teresier was stripped, but not entirely, by the brothers or their servants. In the city of Teresier, a group of the last remaining mages struggled to find some means to stop the conflict. It is from their research at the first of the elemental or color spells were discovered their studies however also consumed vast resources and in the end they were in vain effect these spells changed the course of the war is still unclear this question hinges the true key to understanding these events meanwhile on the western isle of latinam an eccentric mage and his wife were also studying the machines and their effects. Although their separatist views kept many of their discoveries secret, until after their death, Drafna and Herkel were adept artificers. It is from the College of Latinam, now sadly lost to us, that we received our present knowledge of the machines and their functions. Drafna and Herkel are not our only source of knowledge. Let us not forget Jostel whose legendary travels in Phyrexia provided key insights into the eventual fate of destroyed artifacts. There came a time when the war had used up virtually everything the continent of Teresia had to offer. Vast strip mines covered the surface, the forests were obliterated, and smoke hung like a pall over most of the populated areas. And still the brothers searched for more power, a search which took them finally to the island of Argoth. Although somewhat remote from the main conflict, Argoth's vast forests and untapped mineral wealth inevitably drew the attention of both brothers. They rushed to exploit it, each certain that possession of the island would assure him of a final victory. The final catastrophic battle of the war, then, was fought at Argoth. We have almost no details about this battle, and the few details we do have are often contradictory. It appears to have lasted for several months, although the actual length of time is difficult to determine. When the battle was over, Urza and Thanos emerged victorious, and Argoth was a smoking ruin. It is an exaggeration to say that Urza and Thanos won the struggle. Ultimately, the war had no winners. The brothers died, as did their principal servants. The people of Teresia and Argoth were left desolate, impoverished, and with no means to support themselves. In the succeeding years, they continued to die by the thousand. Almost all accounts have Urza and Thanos surviving. I cannot understand Professor Tashir's obsession with killing everyone involved. Initialed, I see. Urza and Thanos were by this time sorcerers of exceptional skill. How is it that they survived and never again appeared in any other chronicle or historical record from that time on? While the story is better if one side wins, history is not concerned with the quality of its story. Mishra and Ashnod were almost certainly killed in the conflagration, 
but no concrete evidence exists of this. The fate of Urza and Thanos is even less clear. They disappear, either during or shortly after the battle, but what became of them? Were they killed as well? Did they go into hiding? Did they transport themselves to the outer planes, as powerful majors are wont to do? This last explanation seems to be the most likely. Both brothers had become increasingly powerful. It was only a matter of time before one or both of them discovered the ultimate mystery and began to walk. It is quite probable that Urza had already discovered the secret and was waiting only to defeat his brother before escaping with Thanos to the wizard's realm. This somewhat romanticized ending to the struggle is certainly popular in legend. It is unlikely, however. The devastation of Argoth is simply impossible to comprehend. We have no present-day equivalent, or anything that comes even close. It is inconceivable that two people in the center of fighting, Zantanos, could possibly have escaped unharmed. And if Urza had already discovered the mystery of the walk, then nothing so mundane as defeating his brother could ever have kept him in this world. What if Mishra were able to follow him to the outer planes? Of course, Urza would want to see him defeated, so that could never happen. Initial I.C. This, then, was the brothers' struggle, and in early childhood was crystallized by their rivalry for a woman and ended in chaos and destruction. The aftermath of the war was to last for many hundreds of years, eventually plunging much of civilized world into an age of darkness. But if a historian may borrow another mythological phrase, that is another tale. I reiterate my wholehearted objection to Professor Caldos's theory of brothers' courtship of Ashnod. It is absurd and unsubstantiated. Is not, initialed, I see. Is too. Is not. Is too. Professors Caldos and Tashiar will be debating this and other historical issues at the Epitier College of Mages on the fifth day past Arknes in the hour of the Third Rising. All are welcome to attend.